Grace you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? Is that what or who you have become? We often ask children what they want to be when they grow up, and we get questions, answers like astronauts, teachers, baseball players. My niece wanted to be a fox trainer when she was in kindergarten last year. But this year, now that she's in first grade, she's decided that she'd like to be a veterinarian because that's much more practical than being a fox trainer. And I don't disagree. Now, I grew up well before they, well, well before social media, well before the internet. But before they took pictures of kids on the first day of school with, you know, listing their teacher's name and their grade and that little box that says what they want to be when they grow up. That's how I know what my niece wanted to be and wants to be. So there's no documentation about what I wanted to be when I grow up, but that doesn't matter because I have a mother. (laughs) And she remembers and even shared the story last week during the Epiphany breakfast with some of you as we ate breakfast together and my mother shared that when my grandma would come visit, I would have her sit on a log and I would stand up on the stump and I would preach to my grandmother who sat as a very attentive congregant on the log. (laughs) And apparently I was quite the flamboyant five-year-old preacher. Later, I imagined myself driving a big truck, like a big truck during the week and being a pastor on Sundays because then I, like many of you, thought pastors only work one day a week. (laughs) And so I figured I could drive the big truck during the week and then preach on Sunday. Interestingly enough, when I turned 35, I drove a big truck, not a semi, but a pretty big truck, with all of our worldly possessions as we drove to Chicago and I could attend seminary. This morning, we encounter last week's baby Jesus as a full-grown adult. They grow up fast, don't they? A baby last week, an adult this week. In Mark's gospel, we are first introduced to Jesus as an adult when he went with the crowds out into the wilderness to be baptized by John. After his baptism, Jesus is led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, where he is tested by Satan for 40 days. And then after John was arrested, Jesus began to call his disciples and reveal who he is through the casting out of demons, the healing of people, and through his teachings. And after some days of doing these things, our reading begins this morning when the disciples and Jesus had returned to Capernaum. Now there's a number of things that happened in our 22 verses of reading this morning that appear unrelated that I read to you standing up while you sat down. The first of the things that happened is Jesus healed a paralyzed man. He called a tax collector named Levi, who we know was actually Matthew, to follow him, and then he ate at Levi's house with other tax collectors and sinners. Can you imagine? 
Jesus was asked why his disciples do not fast while John's disciples and the Pharisees do. And finally, our reading concludes by Jesus using a couple of well-known proverbs to fully announce that things and people are going to change. There is a change afoot. And all of these seemingly disjointed stories work together to begin to demonstrate who Jesus has become as an adult and to begin to reveal the purpose of his ministry. If you were here last Sunday, actually even if you weren't here last Sunday, we celebrated the epiphany of our Lord. And epiphany means, literally means the revealing or the revelation of who Jesus is. And so this week and this entire epiphany season is about revealing who Jesus is. Not just to those who were there at the manger, not just to his Jewish brethren, but to the entire world. Revealing who Jesus is to those both near and far, to Jews and Gentiles, males and females, the sick and the righteous. Now Jesus came to heal. He came to heal and bring new life as we see in the first part of our reading with the story of the paralytic being lowered through that roof. The paralyzed man's friends went to great lengths to bring him to Jesus because they knew that Jesus could heal their friend. And as Mr. Justin said, it was because of the faith of their friends that that man was healed. Healed not only in body but in spirit. For we read that he not only stood up and took his mat and walked away, but his sins were forgiven. He was given new life by Jesus, but it came as a result of the faith and the faithfulness of his friends, who were not discouraged or deterred by the barrier that that crowd created to them as they came up to the home where Jesus was. Instead, they were persistent and they were resourceful as they lovingly revealed their friend who was in need of healing to the one who could give him new life. Immediately after this man took up his mat and walked, we read that Jesus went out beside the sea where the crowd followed him and he taught them. And then he came across this, this man, this tax collector, Levi, who was in his tax booth, and he said to the man, follow me. Follow me, and the man got up, just like the paralyzed man had gotten up, and he followed Jesus. And when the scribes saw that Jesus would dare to eat at this man's house, this tax collector's home, among sinners and tax collectors, they asked how these things could be. How could this be? Who does such a thing? I think perhaps a better question is to ask, how could it be that a tax collector would leave everything behind to follow Jesus? At this point in Jesus' ministry and life, he has little to lose. But Levi? Levi is a tax collector who works for the Roman government who has no doubt acquired quite a bit of wealth, who has some standing, even though he's not liked in society. And like that, he leaves it all behind to follow Jesus, to invite him into his home. Who has a lot at risk here? There's no turning back. 
Just like there's no pretending like the hole isn't in the roof of that home, there's no pretending for Levi that he hasn't encountered Jesus. The other disciples, those, those fishermen, if something happens to Jesus, they can just go out and fish the next day. They can go back to life as it were. But not Levi. Can you imagine him going back and saying, um, you know, I, I know I left in the middle of my shift. Um, this seemed like a good idea. But in hindsight, apparently it wasn't. Would you mind if I go back and we kind of pretend like that didn't happen? I don't think so. Levi, like the paralyzed man, made his way to Jesus and the new life that he offers. And another barrier or obstacle to coming to new life in Jesus is, is, occurs with the Pharisees' interpretation of the law. You see, they were, knew the law so well, they were concerned about these dietary restrictions that they were following and the disciples of John were following, but Jesus' disciples were not. Here God was in their midst, Emmanuel, and all they could do was focus upon the, the tenets of the law. They knew what they were supposed to be doing and not doing, but they couldn't see the one who was being revealed to them before their very eyes because they were so focused on the letter of the law. The law had been given as a gift to the people to allow them to live in relationship with God and with God's creation, and now it was blinding them to the reality that God was being revealed to them in the person of Jesus Christ. So they, uh, they allowed that to blind them. To borrow another proverb, they couldn't see the forest through the trees, as it were, well, so Jesus responds to the Pharisees' question with, about these dietary restrictions with a question of his own, and he encourages them to, instead of looking at dietary restrictions, to, to look at a bridal custom. And in doing so, he reveals that he, in fact, is the bridegroom. Jesus is the guest of honor, the one who they have been waiting and preparing for, the one we fast in preparation for has been revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. It was no longer necessary to prepare for God to be revealed, for the Messiah had appeared, and they were in the presence of him as they dined with Jesus at table. Jesus appeared and was revealed, or was revealed, to use that epiphany term, throughout each of these stories. Just as he appeared to the shepherds and the wise men and to Mary and Joseph and the animals as a baby in both um, Luke and Matthew. In Mark, he appears or is revealed to us as an adult person, as we've read this morning. And John will reveal who Jesus is in the beginning. The beginning of John's gospel was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and we continue to read that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was revealed in John's gospel as the Word made flesh. And my friends, Jesus continues to appear. He continues to be revealed to us today through the breaking of the bread and the blessing of the cup. Jesus is revealed to us at the Lord's table. When we come to this table, this table of God's mercy and grace, 
Through this simple meal that we have been given to remember who Jesus is, he is revealed to us. Revealed to us as as God's gracious love and through this meal, we too are made whole. Our sins are forgiven and we are healed so that we too might skip away from the table, mat in hand. Or maybe at least returning to your pew with a joyful step. Because like the sinners and the tax collectors that Jesus dined with, Jesus wants to dine with us as the host, as the bridegroom, and not just dine with us, but that we might feed on him, that we might be given this new life that he revealed that he has come to bring. For Jesus was born as a baby with the intention or the purpose that he might die that we might have new life through him. Jesus is revealing himself to us every time we come to the table, every time that we, by our faith, love our neighbors as demonstrated in that story of the paralytic man. Jesus is being revealed to us that we might not only receive new life, but we might be a part of others receiving that new life and being made whole and made new again. So as we come to this table, my fellow sinners and tax collectors, remember, remember the one who gave his life for you and look to see that love revealed through the breaking of the bread, the blessing of the cup, the glorious communion we have with one another and the one who gave his life, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Happy Epiphany. Amen.